Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Thanks for your company. Good morning. It is Thursday. It's a fairly sunny day out there today. Don't forget we're here till 12, 13, 12, 55 or text away 0487 736 736. But if you text, I won't be able to read them because I don't have a computer that has the text on. There you go. <laughs> 0487 736 736 is the number. Our show today touches on Ian Chesterman, the Australian Olympic Committee Chef Demission. And some breaking news, you would have heard it, you may have seen it is that Bryce Cotton, the door has been closed on Bryce Cotton going to Tokyo. Ian Chesterman, the Australian Olympic Committee Chef de Mission, will join us later in the first hour. One, one, one young man not going there is Matt Swan. He is a retired kookaburra. He'll join us about the tough decision to put family first. In fact, it's probably not tough, to be brutally honest with you, but we'll chat to Matty as well. Nathan Sobey will join us, and he will talk about the Brisbane Bullets' remarkable comeback to beat the Wildcats in Brisbane last night, down by 18 at one stage. 13 in the last quarter, but got up to win by three. Now, Nathan Sobey has been added to the Boomers squad in place of Bryce Cotton. So the door, we are told, is closed, although I've been speaking to a couple of people this morning who say that they will move heaven and earth to make sure that Bryce Cotton is at Tokyo. But anyway, it's a tough decision for him to make, but getting his uh, citizenship and the like was delayed. And in the COVID world that we're in, I think it's been very difficult for those boxes to be ticked. And Craig Staples, he's on his way to York. And just after 11.30, we'll text you. Now, I can tell you we had to pre-record it because Craig had to do a few things this morning. In fact, drive up to the course. We had to get him before uh, he got out of range. He has got a ride in the first race. And he's only got three rides today, Craig Staples. And he's on number seven, Andriette. And he does like it. Each way at $8.50. So don't uh, we'll, we'll, we'll chat with him about it later. But just so you know, because the race is... On before we go to air, just giving you plenty of heads up. 11.57 is the race time. So don't forget, we'll be chatting with Craig Staples about his three rides, and that is uh, an each-way chance, race one, number seven. Likes the track, drawn barrier one, and going to be right in the mix. Question 0487-736-736. Who's the biggest whinger in football right now? What person... What team, what event, what fan base? Because I, I, everywhere I look at the moment, I'm seeing a lot of positive stuff on, on social media where people are saying, I've, I'm, I'm over being negative, I don't want to be negative anymore, I only want to deal with being positive. And I'm hearing constantly football clubs, coaches, lesser extent players, media representatives, some of my own, and I've, I've been a whinger and a negative Nelly over the journey, but I, I like to be a bit more positive nowadays in my old age. I'll have to get a feedback from you, 0487 736 736. If you do text us, tell us who you are, because the text number comes up, but we'd love to put a name, you can put any old name down there, or where you're listening, and your answer, and maybe an explanation. So today... Who just is a little bit negative Nelly at the moment? For the want of a better word, whinging, yeah, but I don't really want to be whinging. Who who are you sick of hearing about 
oh woe is me. 0487-736-736. I've already received a text. Richmond. Oh, that'll get back. And that's not coming from me, Tigers fans. I know you think I'm on your case. All better, I think you you can't win the flag this year. 0487-736-736. Plenty to come. We're going to dissect football. We're also going to go retro. Rhett Bartlett, the son of Kevin Bartlett, has been uh, given access to the archives, TV archives, print archives, a whole range of... He likes to lift the lid on footies yesteryear and he's produced a piece on social media today involved with a wonderful West Australian who has a connection, very close connection, to Optus Stadium where the SEN studio is. We're going to hear that a little later in the show. 0487-736-736. Our topic today, who are the negative Nellies in football? They could be media representatives, coaches, players, clubs, fan bases, anybody. Who are you just about out enough of? Who brings down the mood? 0487-736-736. Text away. Let us know who they are. A couple of uh, messages, Richmond. Richmond, why? What, what, what do you think they've been negative about? What, the fact is they have to play the odd game at Marvel Stadium? Let us know. 0487-736-736. We'll also hear from Adam Simpson. Leon Cameron will hear from them. Both have given their press conferences, their coaches' press conferences, and we'll pick the eyes out of that before the end. Also, we'll hear very, very shortly from the Wildcats, Trevor Gleeson and Mitch Norton, after their shock loss. And it is a shock loss, and it's basically going to cost them top spot or any chance of getting top spot. And it just leaves them a little bit vulnerable to losing second spot, albeit I think they'll bounce back on Friday night. Mike Hussey is a good friend of ours here at SEN. He's of course, has returned after getting out of India and, of course, contracting COVID. Uh, but he came up the second test. The next test was negative, and he has made his way out of India and is safely back in Australia. He spoke on Fox. Here is Mr Cricket. Michael Hussey and his COVID ordeal. Probably looking back on it now, it probably knocked me around a little bit more than I thought at the time. Um, I, I sort of felt like I had a bit of a head cold and then I had a cough and I had the fever for the first two or three days where you sort of just sweat through the night. Um, which, but, but none of it was... I didn't feel like I was, you know, had life-threatening symptoms or anything like that. I didn't feel as though I was going to have to be rushed to hospital. I wasn't short from breath or anything like that. So... I didn't think the symptoms were too bad, but um, but but it certainly does knock you around a bit, and and, I've, and I'm still pretty tired, I guess, just just sort of uh, worn out from the whole uh, the whole episode. I had a couple of days in my hotel room in Delhi, um, where to be honest, the COVID situation is is really dire. You know, it's it's horrible to see some of the uh, the footage on TV, and um, and so the my franchise, the, the Chennai Super Kings, were just a little bit concerned that um, that if things went bad. Uh, maybe I wouldn't have access to, uh, you know, the, the best possible um, sort of medical support. So they were pretty keen for me to get back down to Chennai. Um, so I flew um, I flew in like a, a little me- a pod, like a body bag really, um, uh, down to Chennai and, and then moved into a quarantine hotel there uh, where I spent 
I think it must have been yeah just under just under two weeks there. Um, obviously, just recovering from COVID and, and you know the care was was really good. They looked after me well and uh, and then yeah once I was I was pretty relieved once I got the negative test to to uh, then be able to try and organise. Um, so, you know, some uh, flights back out uh, to get home to Australia. I must admit, the first sort of few weeks of the tournament, I, I felt very safe. We had an excellent bubble set up uh, around sort of the team. Um, and, and, and you know, all the staff uh, at the hotel were all living living in and, and they were all part of the bubble. Um, you know, our travel to and from the games was all very, very slick and, um, and, and, and we were very well protected. So I, I was actually feeling pretty good, despite the numbers of the cases going um, up you know, on the outside, um, uh, you know, pretty pretty heavily. Um, but then I guess once you start moving places, you know, flying to Delhi, that's when the risk sort of goes up. And I don't exactly know where, um, you know, COVID was able to jump into our bubble or penetrate our bubble. But, um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, it's probably riskier by, by travelling to, to different cities. I've had friends from other countries that have been trying to get home for over a year um, and, and it, it is stressful for them as well. So... We're very, you know, I think as as the players and the coaches uh, involved in the tournament were very fortunate, um, and, and I think everyone should be really grateful uh, that the, uh, you know, the BCCI in India that they um, they organised that they, they were very good at, at, at organising um, uh, things for, for for all the players and staff to be able to get home and to get home safely. That that was their their number one priority once they called the uh, or postponed the tournament. So I think we were very grateful about that. But but I know. In speaking with a lot of the guys, that um, they're very, very aware of, of, you know, how many Australians are trying to get back home, and, and are, are frustrated, um, and are certainly, um, uh, you know, you know, desperate, desperate to get home. You know, uh, it, it, it's pretty, it's pretty stressful for everyone. Breaking news coming out of the Fremantle Football Club. Andrew Brayshaw has been ruled out of this week's clash with Sydney with a calf injury. He was put up to the media the other day. I'm surprised that wasn't mentioned then. But uh, the news out of Fremantle this morning is that he will not be playing. There it is right there. So breaking news and bad news for the Fremantle Dockers is Andrew Brayshaw has a calf injury and will not be playing against the Sydney Swans here on Saturday night. So that is some bad news for the Fremantle Football Club. Just a reminder, coming up, Ian Chesterman is going to join us from the Australian Olympic Committee. He's the chef de mission. He's in Adelaide today as the team slowly assembles ahead of their departure to Tokyo as well. We're just under two months away. Matty Swan won't be going to Tokyo. He's the retiring kookaburra. Nathan Sobey, the Brisbane Bullet Star, has been called up to the Australian squad at the expense of Bryce Cotton who has missed the deadline to be in the Australian Olympic team. And Craig Staples will be on the road to York uh, for his rides up there. So keep tuned in to Sporting Goss. Still to come, we'll hear from Adam Simpson. We'll hear also from Leon Cameron from the GWS Giants. We'll get a breakaway and come back. Ian Chesterman is the chef de mission for the Australian Olympic team. He'll give us updated information, COVID, the team, selection, and what next for our Aussies who are heading to Japan in a couple of months' time. Don't forget... Also, text away 0487 736 736. Who are the whingers? Who are the negative Nellies that you've had enough of hearing over the last couple of weeks, months, days? Who do you want to just make smile a little bit in sport? The negative Nellies, the whingers, 0487 736 736. This is Sporting Goss.
Welcome back to The Sporting Goss, and we are currently talking with Ian Chesterman, who is the Australian chef de mission for the Tokyo Olympics, the Australian team chef de mission, and he joins us from Adelaide. What are you doing in uh, Adelaide town, Ian? Good morning. Yeah, g'day, Tim. I've got a uh, great uh, job at the moment, which is moving around the country and announcing uh, all the team members for uh, Tokyo. So we get to 111 today on our way to what we think will be around about 480. So lots to go, but it's a really nice moment to be able to see the athletes, congratulate them on making the team and um, and uh, see the excitement in their eyes because it's not, not long to go now. It very much is. Now, it is a, a strange time, of course, around the world. And I've, I've read with interest and heard with interest you're confident and the, and the, and the, those who are uh, sort of going to Tokyo at this stage, the ones who are locked away and the ones that are intending to go, are still confident that it's going to go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And we saw uh, even this week the uh, IOC Coordination Commission is in Tokyo meeting uh, and very much about planning the Games in 64 days. I mean, they're spending all their time working out uh, how we do the Games. So no one's talking about cancellation. Postponement's not an option. And the Games are on, and that's absolutely the way we're working. So who who does all the sort of due diligence for that? Are you relying on the Japanese, or have you got people on the ground over there in Tokyo? I mean, how does the how does the information come back to the Australian Olympic team? I think we're um, well communicated with from the IOC. Uh, they're our primary uh, source of uh, information regarding uh, what's happening in Japan along with the organising committee. And what we're seeing, Tim, is a major commitment from the Japanese government, Tokyo government, the organising committee and the IOC to provide a safe environment for our athletes. And that's going to mean our movements are highly curtailed. It's going to mean we're tested uh, every day. We're tested before we leave. We're tested on arrival. Uh, there's going to be a, it's a very different game, but we uh, rely on the, the Japanese government, the Japanese authorities, the IAC to give us the all clear that there's safe and secure yeah. uh, environment for our athletes, and then uh, we get we get our athletes there. That's the AOC's job is to get our athletes across to Japan safely, and we'll have our own protocols in this country before we leave, and then bring everybody back home. Ian Chesterman, our guest on Sporting Goss here on SEN, Australian team chef Demission. As we count down to the Olympic Games, just a tick over two months to go. So how many of your athletes are vaccinated? Uh, I haven't got the exact numbers, but I'm uh, hoping it's going to be very high into the 90s uh, percent. Uh, we've still got a, a bit of a challenge in getting our international uh, based athletes vaccinated. So we rolled out the vaccine program last week, had a terrific roll up for all the athletes here. And now we've just got to get uh, the athletes who are based overseas covered as well. In some countries, that's uh, a relatively easy job. So if you're coming out of the USA, uh, they've indicated that they'll uh, vaccinate uh, athletes from any country over there before going to the Games. And then we're just working with uh, our government and different national committees around the world to get the rest covered. So we're going to have a very, very high level of coverage. And the IOC said overnight that they're expecting across all countries uh, that over well over 80% of the athletes there will be vaccinated, which is terrific because it just gives everybody another level of comfort and also is obviously terrific for the people of Japan knowing that the people who are arriving into their country are also vaccinated. So is is it not a not a prerequisite if it's no no if you're not if you are not vaccinated you can still compete? Absolutely, yeah. Then that, the IOC has made that clear the whole way along that the vaccine is not compulsory, and in fact the games are organised to run even without a vaccine. So, but that's, it is an advantage that uh, we get as many people as possible vaccinated, and I think that's 
from the Australian point of view, it's also an advantage when we return home because, uh, mm-hmm. as we know, most of our problems have come from uh, quarantine arrangements, returning people from overseas, and, and so we want to be uh, ensuring that uh, we certainly uh, you know, are safe when we come back into this country for, the, for, for all our uh, fellow countrymen. When's the final time that all these chosen sports and your final lineup for the Tokyo has to be named and, and sort of all pulled together? Uh, July 5 is our uh, D-Day for naming the entire team. So we'll obviously uh, be naming people across uh, the coming weeks. I know next week we've got the women's water polo team in uh, Noosa on Monday. I've got uh, the Opals uh, basketball team as well next week. So we'll be rolling them out, but everybody will be done by June, uh, July 5. And then uh, we're doing a special event on July 7 where we'll ask everybody to come together virtually um, and uh, name our two flag bearers. So it's going to be a special moment for all those athletes named. Yeah, no doubt about that. And the Olympics, of course, start July 23. Uh, uniforms, obviously, I've seen those being released. You're obviously very happy. You've got great feedback from your athletes in regards to those. Yeah, I think it's a really important thing we do these days is involve the athletes uh, in the entire process. So we have an Athletes Commission, uh, really well led by... Uh, the pole vaulting great Steve Hooker. Um, so they've been involved along the way as well as other athletes. And so when we uh, turn it out, we know that um, it's not something that, uh, you know, uh, suits me as an old official, but actually works really well for the young and vibrant team that we have. Uh, just uh, coming up a little later on the show, I'm interviewing Matthew Swan, who's announced his retirement uh, from hockey, which is a strange timing for him, but of course it's it's a life yeah. decision for him. So what do you make of it? He's been a great servant for Australian sport. Yeah, he's been an uh, amazing uh, contributor to the Kookaburras over all the years. Uh, I've watched him play a few times and uh, he's always so dynamic, so he'll be sorely missed by the team. And it's just one of those things that's happened, I suppose, with the postponement. He was uh, a long career and ready to hang up his hockey stick at the end of July last year, August last year. And, uh, of course, it's gone another year. Life's moved on for him, and now he finds himself in this juncture where he puts his family ahead of uh, his hockey. And uh, I take my hat off to him both uh, for that decision but also his amazing career. Ian, you've been around the Olympics set up for a long, long time. Uh, what's your overview in, in how this has all come about? I'm talking about COVID. I'm talking about delays. I'm talking about concern. I'm talking about the Japanese polls that suggest they shouldn't go ahead. You've been around a long time. Give us, give us the listener, and also those who are heading across there as part of the Australian team, the Ian Chesterman view on pulling together this wonderful moment for Australian sport and world sport. Yeah, I think it's uh, really important, Jim, and then you've hit the nail on the head. It's a wonderful moment for Australian sports, a wonderful moment for Australian athletes. And no one uh, can say that it hasn't been a really difficult uh, 15 months for athletes. Uh, and some of the cycling team we're uh, recognising today were actually named in March last year before the whole Games were postponed. Now, these athletes have worked incredibly hard, you know, so many of them across the whole lifetime. But even if you look at the Olympic cycle, you know, the last four years and now the last five years. So... Our job at the AAC is to, you know, reward them for all that effort to make sure that we do get the games off, to make sure that uh, they get their moment in the sun that they've worked so hard to achieve, and and we know the Australian uh, population, you know, loves uh, seeing our athletes take on the world's best, and so often, and we've seen it many, many times, we punch, you know, well above our weight. So I think it's uh, going to be an amazing moment when we do all come together in Japan. 
But I think it's only uh, possible that these games are going on. One, because they're going to be organised in such a different way. But two, uh, we've got to thank our host, Japan, because without their commitment to keeping the games going, then all those dreams of all those athletes would have uh, nowhere to go. So it's it's going to be a pretty special moment when we do come together uh, and celebrate human endeavour, uh, you know, the best of the best across you know, more than 30 sports. And uh, Australia will probably have, I think, the third or fourth biggest team there, which is remarkable, I think, when you think of our total population of 26 million people. Um, but uh, Australians love their sport. And uh, I think this Olympic team will give uh, our country great reason to be proud. No doubt. Ian, you've been around the Capra for a long time. I know it's an exciting time, a very busy time for you, and I appreciate you coming on the show this morning. My pleasure, Tim. Good on you. Ian Chesterman, the Australian team chef de mission for Tokyo. We're looking forward to it. This is the Sporting Goss. And if you can hear an echo, it's because we are not in our normal studio. The boys are doing a wonderful job in preparing our new SEN studio. So it's a little bit of an echo chamber in this temporary studio, but we are still coming through loud and clear. Hello to everyone who is tuned in today. Don't forget, the question of the day is... Who are the negative Nellies around the competition at the moment? Uh, it might not just be AFL. It could be just in sport in general. 0487 736 736 or give us a call 13 12 55. 0487 736 736. Wes on the Twitter, because we put it out on our SNWA Twitter page, hashtag Sporting Goss. I'm asking who are the biggest whingers in sport. 13 12 55 or 0487 736 736. Wes, thank you. Melbourne MCC area. They whinge and they don't understand the rules. Anthony Leach. Leachy, he's a Melbourne boy. Perth crowds. Hashtag Wildcats and Eagles. And Brad Brown. Hello, Brad. Listening here in Perth. Richmond and 95% of their supporters. Mick Jeffrey on Twitter. Footy fans continually blaming umpiring or injuries for their team's failures. And Chris, he's texted. Thank you, Chris. Biggest winger in sport, Jose Mourinho. And Alex, who's our button operator, who does a great job uh, keeping us on air in between a few brain farts. He said, hey, I'm an NCC member. Ha ha. Some things don't surprise me in the world. Some, yeah, that's right. Some things don't surprise me. Confirmation from Adam Simpson, and we'll hear from him very, very shortly. But Adam Simpson has confirmed Elliot Yo is playing this week. He will be playing minutes this week for the Waffle Eagles. And if you are a Waffle fan, of course, make sure you listen to SENWA for the commentary. I'll let you know what that game is shortly. But if you are an Eagles fan and you want to see Elliot Yo's return, limited minutes, they are playing East Perth at Leaderville Oval on Saturday. If you can't make it, then you can watch the Eagles live stream on Facebook, YouTube and through the website. So if you are... An Eagles fan and want to see Elliot Yo do his thing on his return, you can get onto the socials of the West Coast Eagles. Coming up, Matt Swan's going to join us, retiring Cookaburra, and we'll hear plenty more 
about football, including the coach of the West Coast Eagles, Adam Simpson, in full, and also the GWS Giants coach, Leon Cameron. News is next. Hope you're enjoying the show on this Thursday. Wherever you're listening, right around this great state of ours, this is Sporting Goss. Thank you, April Austin. It is May 20. This is Sporting Goss. We're here till midday. Plenty more coming up. Just repeating the news. Andrew Brayshaw, calf injury. won't be playing against the Sydney Swans. And Elliot Yo will return for the West Coast Eagles in the Waffle. Taking on... When was the last time Elliot Yo played Waffle? Anyway, uh, we'll check that out for you before the day's out. Uh, and our question of the day, and we're trying not to be negative. I'm actually trying to put a, a light-hearted spin on it. I think the mower man has got it right. 0487736736. Dockers fans are the biggest whingers because they don't understand football and the rules of the game with a bit of a crying emoji, mower man. Mm, he's a good lawnmower man. He's a very, very good lawnmower man. And he's, all, and he's a... SEN tragic. He listens to everything that moves on SEN and he's a big part of the Sporting Goss families. But mow away, great man. One, I could reckon I could be a lawnmower man. I, I love mowing the lawn because it's my, my haven. It's, you can get away from the world. No one wants to come near you. It makes a lot of noise. But there's two things that bug me when you're a mowerman or mowing the lawn. It's when you mow over dog poo and it <laughs> smears it into the ground in the long grass. I know. I know. It's a bit of a job. And the other one is you have to change the thread on the whippersnipper, and I can't do that. I can't do that. And if you're doing it against a brick wall, you go through a lot of it a lot of the time. It would be the, the pet hate. But anyway, the mower man does it without whinging. Dockers fans are the biggest whingers, he says, because they don't understand football and the rules of the game. Dan on the... Uh, on the uh, tweet, Twitter, says Richmond supporters. Yes, there's been a few for Richmond supporters. Oh, very harsh, very harsh of the Tiger Army. Anyway, let us know your thoughts on that. 0487736736. We need less whinging, less negative Nellies. We need to be all a bit more positive in the world that we live right here, right now. I'm going to do this for you before we take a break and come back with Matt Swan, the retiring kookaburra, who's not going to the Olympics due to the birth of his imminent first child, the imminent birth of his first child. And Rhett Bartlett is the son of Kevin Bartlett, the Richmond great. And he's gone through the archives and he keeps producing these little gems on social media. The late Stephen Phillips, who was around football for a long, long time, a wonderful television sports reporter and presenter based in Melbourne, wonderful operator. And he's very much missed. Has caught up with Tony Bahaja, Budgie. When he made the move from Essendon, he came back to Perth and then got recruited back to play for the Footscray Football Club. And as we know, Tony Bahaja is one of the co-owners of the Camfield, which is just a good drop punt away from our studios here at Optus Stadium, our SEN studios. We look out the window to the Camfield. And Budgie is one of the proprietors, one of the owners of the Camfield. But let's get a blast from the past. We're going way back into the archives. This is Retro. Good to see Rhett Bartlett on social media. Stephen Phillips interviewing a much younger, vibey Tony Bahaja. Kids, today on the Junior Supporters Club, we've got Tony Bahaja. Tony crossed over from Essendon to Footscray this season. And Tony, you must be really enjoying your new club. 
Yeah, so far it's been very good at Footscray. Everyone's keen and there's a lot of young players. You know, with a bit of luck, the club might have some success this year, which would make it very enjoyable. Now, I know you've got a very big uh, day ahead of you because you've got to go out and continue umpiring in this Herald uh, Cup match between two local Footscray zone schools. Are you enjoying the umpiring? Well, I've never seen a good umpire yet, and I don't think I'm any better. Um, I'm not really a good umpire. A few of the players were complaining this morning, but I've got them under control. The league have often said that they'd like league footballers when they'd finished their career to maybe look at umpiring. Could you see yourself stepping in and becoming a, uh, another Neville Nash or Bill Dalla? <laughs> no, I don't think I'm really uh, cut out to be an umpire. No, I'll stick when I retire to sit, sitting on the fence and just watching everyone else. Coming to um, Footscray, you've got some pretty good mates there in Jimmy Sewell and Andrew Purser, who you knew pretty well in Perth. Yeah, well, there's uh, seven West Australians that are playing in Footscray uh, side this year, which is a lot, you know, so there's a lot of players from other states and, uh, and a lot from the country, so, you know, it's good. There's a, a good combination of players at the moment, but I was very good friends with Jim, which had a lot to do with me going to Footscray this year. At Essendon, um, your work involved working for a meat company, but since coming to Footscray, you're just spending full time at the club? Well, I'm spending most of my time helping out with uh, the promotion work and, and doing a lot of the junior clinics, but you know, I'm enjoying that, and I really came back to Melbourne to play football, so I am concentrating on that. Did you feel at any stage over the summer that you might go back to Perth and live over there? I did. Yeah, I went back home to stay, and I guess I got itchy feet. I liked the football in Melbourne, and uh, I thought I'd give it another go. Shane O'Sullivan at Footscray was very keen to get me there, and um, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Well, you've got to go out and keep blowing that whistle. Did the kids give you much to chat? Yeah, they did. They were abusing me a bit this morning, but the problem is they're about four inches bigger than me. <laughs> You're doing a pretty good job, Tony, and all the best for Footscray. I personally feel that they'll be the big improvers this year, and they showed a lot last year, and they've recruited better than any side over the summer. Just a matter of getting there, isn't it? I mean, obviously, over a season, you need a fair amount of luck, but I think they've worked very hard at trying to get a bit of depth in the side, and... You know, if all goes well, we could have a very good year. Tony Bahadur, our special guest this morning on the Junior Supporters Club. Well, of course, we've already spoken to Ian Chesterman, the chef de mission of the Australian Olympic team, about where to now for our Olympians ahead of Tokyo. But one young man who won't be there is Matthew Swan. He has decided to retire from his outstanding 13-year career with the Kookaburras, and he joins us on Sporting Goss this morning. Matt, that's a very big decision. Good morning to you. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge decision. Thanks, and good morning to you too. What, how long has it been in the making? Of course, you're expecting a, a baby. Your wife, uh, Ruse, is expecting their first, your first child on August the 8th, which is the, the day of the Olympic closing ceremony. Too close for comfort, hey? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just couldn't risk it. I mean, um, we've always said in our, in our culture that family comes first, and, and uh, I just couldn't risk not being there for for Rose on, on what's going to be one of the biggest days of our lives. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, it's unfortunate timing um, and wish I could do a, do both. But, um, yeah, as, as it stands, um, it was just looking um, impossible. How long have you been sitting on this decision as a couple or you personally? How long have you been sort of, uh, I wouldn't say hedging your bets, but just sort of trying to do the sums and trying to work out what was the right decision, what was the wrong decision, or was it a no-brainer and you just took it to now to announce it? Oh, it was... Um, no, it, it took a long time um, to decide. Um, Rose and I have, you know, we've... She's she's been supporting me the whole way through through my career and uh, especially the, the last four to five years have been um, particularly 
um, difficult just with the changing landscape of um, getting older and, and you know, um, everything that comes with that and adding on uh, the postponement of, of last year's Olympics. Um, so she knew how much it, it meant to me and, and, and uh, all my friends and families knew that as well. So it was a difficult decision and it wasn't made overnight, um, that's for sure. But uh, I, yeah, I had just had to make that that call in the end. We're chatting, chatting with Matthew Swan, who uh, Kookaburra Dynamo, who has announced his hockey retirement after a 13-year career, and he won't be going to Tokyo. Did you sort of speak to any of your teammates, past and present, about the whole process? Blokes may have been in similar situations over the journey. Yeah, yeah, I, I spoke with a number of um, number of past. Uh, past players and, and current players and, and with the coaching staff and with the family and friends and um, and with um, with friends and colleagues and stuff like that. And it was, uh, yeah, I grabbed as much advice as I possibly could. Um, and um, once the decision was made, um, everybody was fully supportive and, and all the, all the parents that have, that have been there and played, they, they've, Commended me on my decision and and said um, that this is this is one of the best things that'll happen in your life. So um, yeah, you you can sleep easy knowing that you've made the right decision on that on that behalf. You trained with the rest of the Kookaburra squad for the final time. Um, was it announced as a collective to the group, or did word just permeate through? Uh, it was announced as, as a collective to the group. Um, so uh, well, obviously. Uh, a couple of a uh, couple of teammates who I've who I've played with for you know over ten years have um, probably got the inside word a little bit earlier, but um, yeah, it was announced on a specific date by um, Colin. And what was that? Emotional? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's been it's been very emotional the last. Uh, <laughs> well, yesterday was very emotional, and when it was announced to the group, it was. It was very emotional and, and difficult to talk about it. Um, so hopefully that'll ease over a while and um, hopefully the guys will go to Tokyo and win gold and it'll be all uh, all smiles. So how's the process go for you now? Are you, um, uh, are you a good watcher? Will you try and watch them all the time? Will you be sending messages of support or messages of advice to some of the players or will you be critically analysing their performance? I mean, how does Matty Swan, <laughs> how does Matty Swan go now in retirement, you old bugger? Definitely be critically analysing the game. I think uh, being being at that at this level, you you just you just do it inherently. Um, but uh, during tournaments or anything like that, I, I would never send pieces of advice. Um, I think that's that's uh, overstepping the mark as a past player. Um, it's it's their job to do now, and, and they can critically analyse. And and as an elite sports person, no one's more critical on themselves than themselves. So. Um, it'll be all support and cheering from my end. Where are they at? Are they gold medal quality when you've been amongst them? I know you're biased because it's all part of you and it's, <laughs> it's in your DNA, but is uh, is the situation, do you think they're, and it's very hard to gauge, isn't it, on the world scale right now because you're not playing against international uh, opponents in the lead-up to it. It's going to be all very raw, but do you feel like the group on training form and in intra-clubs and the like, that they're in a good space? Yeah, definitely. Um, i I, I am biased, but I still believe that we're one of the best teams in the world and, and we have a really, really good shot at winning it. Um, the team's uh, um, very much injury-free at the moment and, 
and everybody's looking fit and, and intensity around training and inter-squad matches uh, is very high. So it's uh, it's great to see, and, and I believe the guys are in a good space to, yeah, to really take it to um, the world's best. Matthew Swan, our guest on Sporting Goss, the retiring Cookerborough head of the Games. We spoke to Ian Chesterman, as I mentioned, the uh, chef de mission a bit earlier in the show, and I asked him about the vibe inside the Australian team for those who are already going and those that uh, are still to be selected but likely to go. In regards to the COVID world we live in, uh, aside of you expecting your first child and the timing and of all of that and possible two weeks quarantine, were you just hell-bent on getting there, that COVID, and, and were you, would you have been comfortable playing in Japan even though we are still in this pandemic? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess uh, everybody had their own um, their own thoughts around it, and and probably about two months ago, it was it was still still very difficult for the guys to to really um, I guess believe that the games were going ahead. But um, since since we've spoken to the chef mission a number of times, and he's comforted us, and, and the vaccination process that's in place, the guys are are looking very very. Um, very keen to get over there and and it's very much one direction and um it's very much tunnel vision at the moment so all the white noise that's going along at the moment with media and and hearsay or they say um that that's not bothering us so um it's good to see what do you do now swanee do you go back and live in far north queensland what's home now for you and as soon to be a young uh, a first-time dad well, we're we're going to be travelling back to uh, back to Queensland to Mackay to have the uh, have the bub and be be surrounded by um, family support um, for that that initial period. But uh, home home at the moment is is Perth. Um, been here for yeah near on thirteen years, so um, built a life here with Rose and um, yeah. Although it's uh, it's a little bit too far away from North Queensland for my liking, but it's also very far away from Rose's family, which is in Holland. So kind of made our own little hub here. <laughs> and what's life going to be like for you after? What are you going to do? What's 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 your vocation? What are you going to do now that hockey sort of uh, gets put on the back burner? Are you going to play club hockey? Are you going to still going to roll around and do that sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, I'm still fit enough to, to be doing that stuff and, and I don't want to stop uh, mm. stop playing sport. I think it's just so much fun. Um, so yeah, I'll de- I'll definitely uh, be um, putting the shin pads on and and um, lacing up and, <laughs> and and getting out there and, and staying as fit as possible while I still can. And um, I might uh, have a have a few more red wines and every now and then, which uh, which will be nice, but um, <laughs> which I wouldn't be able to do before. But uh, I've yeah, I'm, I'm going to thoroughly enjoy the the retirement and, and look to to continue on my professional career in the in the accounting world. Ah, an accountant. There you go. Nice work. Uh, now, just to let you know, just an insider, we had TJ Wickham in the studio a couple of weeks ago. He came in and sat down. He's a different cat. He doesn't get out of first gear, does he? <laughs> TJ? Uh, yeah, he's, no, nah, he's, a, he's a very, very funny guy. He's a really good guy to have around the group as well. Um, he's always getting everybody up and about and, uh, he's um, he's a quality quality chat. <laughs> he certainly is. He certainly is. Hey, mate, congratulations. Uh, I think I think the bald-headed uh, Matthew Swan has been a part of the uh, the menu of Australian hockey for some some time, and uh, it's going to be missed over there in Tokyo. But great that you're 
keeping Perth as home and uh, I'm sure uh, people will be looking forward to seeing you run around in the local league as well. Do you have any ambition to coach? Uh, yeah, you never say never. Um, well, uh, I think I'll, I'll, I'll take a couple of years to just um, enjoy it and then uh, then look at giving back to giving back to what's given me so much. Yeah, good on you, mate. Appreciate your time. You're an absolute star and uh, uh, 204 caps for Australia. Retiring would have been your third Olympic campaign, but you've still been part of the huge build-up and we wish them all the very best and let's hope they can bring home gold and there can just be a little bit of peace for you somewhere in the offing as well. Matty, appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, mate. Good on Cheers. you, mate. There's Matty Swan from Bye. the Kookaburras. Out of the 11 o'clock news, we will be hearing from Adam Simpson, the coach of the West Coast Eagles. Just confirming the news earlier today, Elliot Yo will return for the West Coast Eagles, playing for the Waffle Eagles against East Perth. If you're heading that way on Saturday, watch him make his long-awaited comeback. And also, we will be hearing from more from the Fremantle Football Club on the news that Andrew Brayshaw has a calf injury and won't be playing against the Sydney Swans here on Saturday night. Plenty to get through, still to come after 11 o'clock. Nathan Sobey, he was a thorn in the side of the Perth Wildcats last night. The Wildcats led by 18 at one stage and were home and hosed and still with an eye on top spot. But they lost. And I know people who turned off when they were 13 points in front with about four minutes to go and uh, found out that the Wildcats had actually been beaten in the end. A great comeback by the Brisbane Bullets. They keep their season alive. The Wildcats are in transit back to Perth. They're back at RAC Arena tomorrow night. Also, the news that Nathan Sobey, as we'll be chatting with him, has been added to the Boomers squad for the Tokyo Olympics. He was initially overlooked. Now, he'd probably be a long shot to make the final cut, but he does come in at the expense of Bryce Cotton, who's missed the cutoff with his citizenship and naturalisation papers, unfortunately, for him. So the news is that the door has closed on Bryce Cotton playing for the Boomers at the Olympics. But Nathan Sobey, the Brisbane Bullet star, has been called up. And get your pen and paper ready because after 11 o'clock we'll be chatting with Craig Staples. He's in transit to York. He's got a ride in the first race and he's got three rides today and they're all sneaky each way chances as well. If you've been following Gostradamus on socials and or here on SEN and the Sporting Goss, you'd be in front. We'd be uh, having a little wager here and there, but always gamble responsibly. 0487 736 736, the question of the day today. Who are the whingers that you want to stop whinging and who are the negative Nellies? Let us know, 0487 736 736. Richmond supporters, Damien Hardwick is copying his whack and Eddie Maguire and David Kosh and the prison bar stoush. People have just had enough. News is next. I'm back with Adam Simpson. Your texts, your tweets, and your calls. This is Sporting Goss. Welcome back in the second hour of the show. Still to come, Nathan Sobey, who was the thorn in the Wildcat side last night for the Brisbane Bullets. But he's also now jumped into the spot being left vacant by the fact that Bryce Cotton has missed the cutoff for the Olympic Games. All that hard, heavy lifting to get him there, all the breaking down the barriers, but unfortunately, all the paperwork has not been done in time. And jockey Craig Staples will also join us. And we've got a big show tomorrow on Gillian Goss between 6 and 8. We can confirm to you that Justin Longmuir, the Fremantle Dockers coach, will be joining Gilly and myself on the show tomorrow. We'll also be checking in with a player from both the GWS Giants, who take on the West Coast Eagles, and the Sydney Swans will also 
be represented on our show. So players from the Giants and the Swans, Justin Longmuir. And can I go with it now, Chris? Can I can I break the news for the Friday forum? Can I break that news? Producer Special K out there. I can confirm that after 7 o'clock, here it is, Adam Gilchrist, one-on-one, Kathy Freeman. That's right, the Friday focus. Yeah, he hasn't let us down. I doubted him. I shouldn't have doubted the keeper in any way, shape or form. But what about this for a lineup that he's produced? Daniel Ricciardo, Ash Barty, Gary Ablett Jr., Mick Fanning, Mark Leishman. Wow. And now, Kathy Freeman. Kate Campbell last week. Unbelievable. So tomorrow on the show, you know, thank you, Bart. Gilly and Goss tomorrow. This is the half hour that I get shunted out of the studio and Gilly just waxes lyrical with the biggest names of sport. Now, Kathy Freeman, I can assure you, does not do a lot of media and doesn't do long interviews. But Adam Gilchrist has secured her for tomorrow's show. Be listening. Tomorrow, Swans, Giants, Justin Longmuir, and also Kathy Freeman. And in between all that, some quality, high-quality stuff. And are we still allowed to do a Friday funny? Am I still allowed to tell a joke or two? Yeah, there it is. There's confirmation, the old boom tish. And you know what? I am a very, very funny man. Adam Simpson, he can be a funny man at times. Here's four minutes of his best. He spoke to the media today with the breaking news that Elliot Yo will be playing for the West Coast Eagles Waffle on Saturday. Here's the coach of the West Coast Eagles, Adam Simpson. Yeah, he's a small chance, but he's um, more unlikely than likely. So we need to work through that. Um, just got a little knock when he was, uh, I think he had a kick and someone smothered the ball. So yeah, we're just investigating a little bit further on that one. So unfortunately, he hasn't had a good run this year, Gov. So we'll, we'll make a decision on that later on today. The type thing that could keep him out for more than that? That's what we've got to find out. Yeah, sort of crept up on us a little bit. So um, what started is just a bit of a niggle. We're going to investigate a bit more. So I reckon we'll get clarity this afternoon. Is that a training during game? No, it was in the game. So he played out the game. So that's why we, you know, the concern wasn't as great as perhaps what it is now. So we'll, we'll look we'll look at that trends this afternoon. Oscar, we also had a second look at the, the price. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think he's OK. Um, but, you know, obviously there's a little bit of a uh, something with his elbow, so I don't even know what it was, but, you know, I think he's training today. So might have gone a bit over on, on that one, the docks, but, um, yeah, trying to look after him is obviously important. And Liam looks like he's jumping out of his skin. Uh, and, and Shannon, they can fair to say they're right there, ready to go? I think so. They've got to get through the week. Uh, training, main training today, they'll do everything. So if they get through that, they'll play. How does your selection... Um Attitude change when you, you know, Thursday selection for a Sunday game as opposed to Saturday selection for a Sunday. Yeah, it, did it? Was it Friday? It used to be Friday for Sunday, wasn't it? Has that changed? Yeah, it's Thursday, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we'll have to look because there's just no way we're going to have be prepared for a, a team um, today for Sunday. Um, I suppose the squad's there as long as we can do all the normal changes we we do because you got to get through training and then see how people pull up tomorrow. But I understand why with the. The shows and the supporters want to know the team's a bit earlier, so we'll, we'll work through it. We'll be okay. Do you expect more late changes? Like we have Billy's an easy late change on the day of the game this year with teams. Do you think this is going to open up the door? Uh, There'll be more people who are maybe. 50 50 on Thursday, no chance by Sunday. Traditionally, we don't make the late change through st- strategic reasons. We just 
do it because it's a late change required. So um, it's hard when you travel like we do. You guys are at the airport. Um, so we don't hide too much about that. If they're right, they're right. If they're not, they're not. It's just hard to pick it today. But, you know, we'll do our best. I mean, strategically, I mean, just because blokes are in, like, you'll have bloke like, who might be feeling sore on a Thursday and Sunday's a long way away. Yeah, yeah, well, that, we, we test them. Captain's run the day before. Um, the, the medical sub changes things slightly too. We, we take two travellers now instead of one. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I don't think it'll affect us too much. Assuming Shannon's good to go, what sort of headaches does that give you in your back line? Because all of those guys are, are in good form. Yeah, I think we've developed a pretty good unit down there throughout the year and obviously Shannon's a part of that. So that will be a match committee decision. I think all of them are available. Um, except for maybe McGovern, so that'll be something we can work through. Whether that's just a straight swap or not, that's something we can work through. Can any of your, your running defenders go up the ground if you, you wanted to keep them in your top Yeah, we've done that lots of times before. We did it in particular with, with Duggan uh, pushing up, and Jackson and Nelson done that as well. So yeah, we'll, we'll work through that. It's a it's a good conversation to have the Sabo match committee. If Gun is out, what are the chances of Edwards coming back in? Well, that's what we need to work through. A, is he going to be available? And then B, who replaces him? And looking at the Giants, they're pretty tall, but you know we've played smaller back lines before. So, yeah, we'll work through that this afternoon. Alan, he's just so good up forward. How, how hard is that for you to... Yeah, well, that's part of his strength, isn't it? His flexibility. So, you know, we've done that two or three times this year. So that's definitely uh, another part of the conversation. Oh, I haven't even started the conversation yet. So we're doing match committee a bit early. Let's see what happens today with Gav. He might be fine. No problems. Um, sorry, earlier you mentioned on radio, Hinton, he might try and today in the hope of, I guess, he playing Waffle this week. Is that fanciful or...? No, he'll play Waffle. He'll play Waffle this week. So, yep, he's been, he's been on track for, you know, four or five weeks and we've been patient, so he needs some minutes. So he'll, he'll, um, he'll get some minutes this week at, um, at Waffle level. Took a long time getting there to the big story of the day. Elliot Yo playing for the West Coast Eagles in the Waffle. I would have thought that was the story that the journos would have been pursuing today. But anyway, there it is there. Just confirmation on that. Still unlikely, I think, Jeremy McGovern and uh, some concerns still about the arm injury to Oscar Allen. Of course, they are playing the GWS Giants, who at their best have been very good since uh, their debacle here against Fremantle. Let one slip against Richmond, didn't they, the other night? Uh, they will be without Toby Green. They're going to be very, very hard to beat on the weekend on Sunday. Here is their coach, Leon Cameron. Yeah, no, Josh Kelly will. Um, he'll captain until one of Toby or Cogs comes back into the into the team. Um, he's been in our leadership group for about well, probably three or four years. Um, you know, he's a clearly an integral part of our footy team. He's in great form. His last six weeks have been fantastic. And, um, yeah, he gets that opportunity. So um, it's exciting for him. Um, he's got to stick to what he knows and he's got to be himself. He'll be different from Cogs. He'll be different from Toby. He'll be different from Phil and Cal. So, but really confident that, um, yeah, we're in really good hands with, with Josh at the helm. Is there ever any kind of serious thought or discussion about anyone else? Or he was always clearly... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's... Um, you know, he's been around for a while now. He's been at our club for eight years. Um, and, um, you know, he's played a lot of good footy. And, um, you know, he's an integral part, as I said. And, um, yeah, it was a bit of a no-brainer for us. And 
his leadership uh, has got better and better every year. I mean, with young fellows that come into a footy club, sometimes they take a little while to express their thoughts and knowledge about the game and pass on all that to players and have that courage to speak up in front of everyone. But his last three or four years has been outstanding and we're looking forward to it. So who made the decision? Is that, does that come down to you or the leadership group or how is that decided? No, no, I think it was just a, a really simple decision that happened, you know, uh, during the week. And, um, and myself um, clearly will have a lot of say in that. But um, it's sort of like uh, it was right in front of us. And so, um, and even when we went with Toby a few years ago, uh, sorry, a few weeks ago, um, Josh was discussed heavily as well. I mean, Toby clearly is the vice-captain, but Josh was discussed heavily as well, and that's the sort of um, confidence that we have in him. So, um, as I said, it's a no-brainer. Um, the good thing about having opportunities like this is, is that people can grow and develop, and you can't get that off the field. You've got to be able to get that on the field um, in these sort of moments. Um, Jacob Hopper's in our leadership group for the first time this year, playing some great footy, but equally needs to make sure that you know, he adds that leadership component to his game every every time he runs out. Tim Taranto. So, yeah, it's, it's a great opportunity for a young group. And uh, the player that he's replacing, Toby Green, how's he travelling after uh, yeah, what happened on the weekend? Yeah, disappointing. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, like everyone, you know, you absorb injuries. Um, disappointing to lose him. You know, he's been in great form centre forward for us. But um, that gives a great opportunity for someone else to come in and... Um, yeah, Toby will do like everyone else and recover from his injury and be back after the bye. You know, hopefully he can you know, put his name up after the bye. I mean, he's tough and he's hard and we can see what he did. He played on with that injury. So we've got to, you know, we've got to pull him back a little bit, get him right, get him ready to go. You know, even though Toby's not there, it makes it that much harder that there is the sort of depth and there is the, the spirit that they can sort of get through this difficult stage. Yeah, I mean, we've probably been, it's been a difficult stage the last five or six weeks. We're really proud of, of our young lads stepping up the plate. I mean, we put, put our hand up for last week. We didn't get it done. But equally, our performance was strong against a really good team. But, you know, we get an opportunity this week. It's, um, you know, against the Eagles on Sunday. We know they're, you know, a really quality team. They've, they're in form. And it's great for our fans again. You know, we were home here a couple of weeks ago. We had an unbelievable game against Essendon, which was really, really, you know, great for supporters to see. And... And we want all our supporters to come out on on Sunday. You know, it's our tenth year. We're a young club. Um, we get lots right, but we, you know, we have some things wrong. And um, but this weekend's going to be a cracking game against the Eagles, and we have to be right on to take it right up to them. So um, I'm confident our boys have, you know, recovered well. They're enjoying their footy. Um, and I always say we want to be hard to play against. Win, lose, or draw, you want to be really hard to play against. And we feel as though we've been doing that in the last six weeks. Leon Cameron, the coach of the GWS Giants. Just repeating the news, Elliot Yo will be playing for Waffle Eagles against East Perth. And Andrew Brayshaw has a calf injury and won't be playing for the Fremantle Dockers. Now, I've just done a bit of research. Now, this, this is unofficial, but I'll take this as gospel. The last time Elliot Yo played at any level in the Waffle was round 23, 2011. Played Colts for East Fremantle against Subiaco. Had 25 disposals. Week before that, he had 20 against Claremont, 30 against West Perth, 28 against Swans, 27 against East Perth, 34 against Perth, 21 against South Frio, 19 against Peel, 28 against East Perth, and 19 against South Fremantle. He could play a bit at the Colts level, and that's probably why he ended up being uh, picked by the Brisbane Lions and he's found his way back to the West Coast Eagles. 
We'll get a breakaway. We'll come back. Not too far away, we'll be chatting with Nathan, Nathan Sobey from the Brisbane Bullets. Called up to the Australian Boomers squad for the Olympic Games preparation in Tokyo. He was disappointed he got overlooked the first place, but now he gets his chance. The door has opened on the news that Bryce Cotton has missed the cut-off time for his citizenship and deep paperwork to go through. And still to come, Craig Staples, get your pen and paper ready. All roads lead to York today. The beautiful picturesque track at the Mount Bakewell, the base of Mount Bakewell up there in York. First race goes just before 12 o'clock. A breakaway, this is Sporting Goss. Welcome back. The Warriors in the NBA, of course. Uh, 55-42 over the Lakers. Steph Curry knocking down a buzzer beater. This is how it played out. It was the second quarter just before halftime. Neither are they. <laughs> Curry, step back three. Bang! At the buzzer! Steph Curry from downtown. Doing a job, 55-42 at halftime against the Lakers. Well, last night, 18 points up, 13 points up, I think, in the last quarter. Could you believe it if you turned over or went and walked the dog that the Perth Wildcats got beaten by the Brisbane Bullets? But hats off to the Bullets. They just never gave up the ghost and eventually caused the upset 91-88. And Nathan Sobey was a big part of that. He played 37 big minutes, 12 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, and was a chief playmaker in the win last night. He's been kind enough to join us on the Sporting Goss here on SEN. Nathan, congratulations, mate. It was it came out of left field last night, I think, for Wildcats fans. They could not believe it and probably still can't. Yeah, I mean, we were lucky enough to, to come away with the win and um, it was a good team effort and grind out by the boys to, um, to stick with it and um, come up with uh, some stops in the second half to, to come away with the win. It was just a game where you always felt Brisbane were in it. I mean, I I know that they got on a roll, and then you they got think that as I mentioned that you got eight, they got eighteen points in front of the Wildcats, and then you got it down below to to single digits, and then they got you again on you know on a couple of turnovers and got out to twelve and thirteen, and even in that last quarter they looked like they were doing enough. In particular, when Steindl hit that three from deep in the corner to get his tally to twenty five points, you felt then the game was gone. As a player on the court, at what stage do you think the game is gone, or don't you? I mean, for us right now, we can't really um, get to that sort of thought because obviously dropping games right now um, will hurt our chances of making the playoffs. So um, we really just got to stick with it um, for the full game and um, let the rest take care of itself. And uh, lucky enough, it was one of those ones like last night where we could um, knuckle down and stick with it. And um, the boys did a really good job to to come up with stops when we really needed to. You did. Lamar Patterson was huge, wasn't he? Quiet first half, but he finished with 23 for a team-high 23 points. Um, you know, he, he just didn't look... Uh, not, and I say this in the nicest possible way. I'm watching from Perth. You're in the stadium. He looked just not quite on his game in that first half, but when it came to the crunch time down the stretch, he was enormous. When the Wildcats' big men certainly uh, were off their, off their uh, mark, he was on his. Yeah, I mean, and and that's what Lamar does. I mean, he, he makes tough plays in in, t- in um, tight uh, situations of the game and when it really counts. And uh, that's why we bring him back. And um, he was able to prove that last night. And um, he's just going to keep getting better and better the more he uh, makes his way back into um, shape after that uh, knee injury. And uh, he's just going to keep getting better and better for us. Seemed to be a concerted effort to really get under the grill of Bryce Cotton um, in that game. I know he still had moments, but at the same time, it seemed as though your whole defensive setup was based around him 
and you almost were prepared to let Kevin White go. When Kevin White was exposed in the corner, um, was that always going to be the game plan on the inbounds pass from the Wildcats? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. We've seen time and time again Bryce hit tough shots for game winners and whatnot. We know how much how good of a player he is and how much they look to go to him. So we knew that we were going to try and make someone else make a play, and um, we did that, and uh, lucky enough that um, we got the stop in the end. Mm. So, so you're sitting in that, in that timeout, and Andre Lamanis and you guys go, so you just say, guys, if we let Cotton put up a shot, he's going to win the game for them and we lose. If we cover off Cotton and make, as you said, someone else have to make the play, then we'll, we won't die wondering. We'll just say if he nails it, he nails it. If he doesn't, he doesn't. And there were stages last night that White did hit a big three, but there were other times where he airballed, hit it long, hit it short. He had, you know, it was either very good or, or, or his shooting was very poor. So that, that's what's discussed in that timeout. You go, guys, it's all or nothing. We just have to stop Cotton. And if they happen to pull one out of their backside somewhere else, then so be it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like we've, like I said, we've you've seen it time and time again when uh, you give him any, uh, Bryce any time, uh, any sort of space, he's uh, he's capable of knocking down those shots. So you know that you're going with your numbers and trying to make someone else make a play, and uh, that's what uh, our game plan was for that um, last night for sure. Uh, it was good to watch. It was really good to watch, and it was a highly emotional game, mate. You just are in in stunning form when you come away from a game like that. Are you completely mentally drained, probably more so than physical? Um, not really. I mean, we we were pretty um, happy that we could come away and, um, like you said, like we said, just grind it our way to slowly claw it back and, and give ourselves a chance to win. And um, that's always a good sign, um, especially with the position we're in. Um, it just shows that if we never give up and, and continue to work as a group, um, that we have a good chance of winning games. Nathan Sobey, our guest from the Brisbane Bullets after last night's 91-88 win over the Perth Wildcats to keep their playoff chances alive, your finals chances alive. Are you already in finals mode? Is that how you're approaching every game? Yeah, I mean, we don't have any other options. I mean, we we lose games, we're not going to make it. So we sort of have to start um, going in with that mindset that we just keep ticking them over and try and um, string some wins together. But we just got to take it one at a time. Um, mm. And last night was a good start for us. Huge, absolutely huge. Mate, you've achieved double figures in all 29 games this year and you've been rewarded. Where were you when you got the phone call, the text, uh, the email, the tap on the shoulder that you were still in the mix for the, the Olympic Games and, and been picked it now and given the call up in the 24-man boomer squad? Yeah, I was just at home with the family, um, just regular day and, and got the call and uh, obviously pretty stoked um, to be back into that um, obviously it was a the conversation in the beginning of the year that I didn't want to hear but uh, that's the way it goes and I'm uh, just happy to be part of it um, again now so you're just sitting who made the call was it was it Brian did Brian call you yeah I spoke to Brian uh, personally on the phone and um, he gave me the good news and we had a little chat and um, <laughs> yeah it was it was, a, it was a good conversation when, when did that conversation take place uh, it would have been a few days ago now. Um, obviously, we, we had a little chat um, before it came out. And, uh, yeah, we had uh, there was a few things that needed to happen before the, the, everything could uh, be released or whatever. But, um, yeah, I had that chat a few days ago. Did it put a bit of uh, pep in your step? Um, I, mean, I, I mean, I'm always uh, 
playing as hard as I can every time I step out there. So uh, it's that's not much change for me. I'm just uh, like I said, I'm happy to be uh, in that squad now and just continue to work hard and uh, just trying to, like I said, uh, make these playoffs in the NBL. Well, you, can I just take you back when you originally missed out on the the Boomer squad, Nathan? Uh, yep. I read with interest that the word says shattered. Is that a fair? Uh, summary of of the emotion of Nathan Sobey when when you originally missed out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's never the conversation you want to hear that you were you weren't picked for something that um, you want to be involved in, and uh, it, it definitely hurt a little bit. But uh, I just put it in the back of the head and sort of moved forward and and continued to try and work hard and and let the rest take care of itself. Bryce Cotton, is he the... I mean, Bryce Cotton, we, we're led to believe Bryce Cotton has certainly missed the boat now. The door is closed on his citizenship to get him through to there. So that's where probably this spot opened up. But that's not your concern. But Bryce Cotton is a player that you've played against inside the league, Nathan, you know, in your time in Adelaide and now in Brisbane and the like. Just, just tell us about how difficult he is as a player. Give our West Australian audience a, an indication of the planning that goes into a player of his class. And have you played against anyone better than that in the NBL? Uh, I mean, I've got a lot of respect for Bryce. Obviously, he continues to get it done year in, year out, um, every game. Obviously, leads that group uh, from the front. And uh, and they're winners. I mean, they get it done uh, when it matters. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of respect for him and the way he goes about it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I've played against anyone in the NBL that's, that's got it done as regular as he has and when it matters the most. Fantastic. Where to now for the Bullets? What's the next? Uh, you've got a couple of real, I mean, every game's a tough one in this league. I mean, <laughs> really is really, really tough. Where to now for the Bullets over the next couple of days? Uh, we're at home on Saturday. We've got three more games at home before we head off anywhere, I think. So we're here on Saturday, uh, Monday and Wednesday again. So pretty tight schedule over the next few days. So we'll look after the bodies and get ready for it. Mate, well played. On behalf of all Perth Wildcats, you bugger. No one liked to see what they did last night. <laughs> Wildcats fans, as you know, the Red Army are very, very passionate and I think they all zoned out when you got 13 up and you did a job on them. It's great that one of our sort of traditional basketball clubs are still in the mix for the season the finals uh, and we all love the Brisbane Bullets, even way back in the 80s and 90s when uh, Leroy Loggins was doing his thing, mate. Appreciate your time. Congratulations on the call-up to the squad. May, may that journey continue for you, mate, and, and all the best in the, in the ensuing weeks for the Brisbane Bullets. And thanks for joining us here in Perth. No, no worries. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. He's a good man. Nathan Sobey, he was one of the stars last night. 37 minutes of the 40 minutes played, 12 points. He ran the show, and he was a big part of the Brisbane Bullets, winning 91-88. We'll get some news away. Still to come, we're going to uh, hear from Craig Staples. Of course, he's on the road to York. In fact, we pre-recorded the interview because he will be getting saddled up in about 15 minutes for the first ride of the day here at York. Don't forget... Gamble responsibly. We'll get some news and come back with plenty more. This is Sporting Goss. Only 64 days to go. And we have had a big Olympic flavour on the show today. Ian Chesterman, the Australian Olympic Committee chef de mission, telling us about uh, the process in those 64 days, about vaccinations, team selection, getting there, how it's going to unveil and unfold in Tokyo. Matt Swan's not going. He's the retiring kookaburra. His uh, wife is expecting their first baby in the first week of August, which will be the last day of the Games, and he's not willing to take that risk. So he's announced his retirement from international hockey, but will reside here in Perth. 
the former Queensland guys as well. Former Queensland, uh, well, he's always a Queenslander, but he now resides here and has for the last 13 years. Nathan Sobe, as you just heard just a brief moment ago, the Brisbane Bullet star starred last night for the Bullets over the Wildcats and is still in the contention for Tokyo. He's been reinstated into the Boomers' 24-man squad. A couple more tweets coming through about the question of the day. Of course, who are the Wingers and the negative Nellies in the world of sport, in particular footy? Kane Corns falls. He says, Kane Corns is a Winger. Bit of a negative Nelly. Oh, that'll get back, Cornsy. And Wade says, Brad Scott and Damien Hardwick surely make the list. And most Eagles supporters after a loss, and I am an Eagles supporter, said Wade. Thanks for your input. Text away. Winters and negative Nellies. Who would you like to see? Just back it off a little bit. 0487 736 736. On SA Breakfast this morning, of course, with Kane and Hazy, David King had this to say, of course, part of the SEN and Fox footy crew, had this to say about the current state of play down at the Fremantle Football Club. Fremantle, for me, was supposed to have the big year. This was the year that, you know, Brayshaw and Chera and these guys, Sarong, we're going to take more responsibility that midfield. And David Mundy and, and Nathan Pfeiffer are going to be able to play lesser roles. That hasn't eventuated. If Fife and Mundy don't impact, they don't win. On the road, they've been abysmal. Okay, there you go. Short and sharp. Short and sharp there from David King. Very solid in his comments. He's a very good analyst of the game. On Waitley this morning, Malcolm Blight always provides great fodder for the media. Love his honesty. And he had this to say about goal-kicking yips. And as we mentioned, Nat Fife suffering from goal-kicking yips. And plenty of other players are too. But Fife certainly the name that keeps jumping off the page. I think Paddy Cripps is another. But this is what Malcolm Blight had to say about goal-kicking yips with Waitley this morning. You know, Tony Lockett kicked 16 goals straight in a game. Mm Mm-hmm. He was, I think, in front of goals because he didn't travel as far as some others. He was as good a kicker I'd ever seen in a game. You know, beautiful, his technique, but beautiful and ran straight at the middle of the goals. I looked it up actually. He had four games where he kicked seven points. Yes. You know, so he's kicked four goals, seven, five goals, seven, six goals, seven, and seven goals, seven. So I don't care who you are. Sometimes you're going to do it, but but there are some simplistic things you can do to run straight at the goals. I, I, right shoulder, right post, it puts you in the spot. If you do that more often than not and you guide the ball down, not drop it, you're going to get more chance. You know, Tony was just over 70%. You know, a lot of players are now sitting at 50. There's a fair bit of difference when you miss. Malcolm Blight being serious in regards to the goal kicking you. So how do you fix it? How do you get out of it? Blighty had this to say on Waitley this morning. Yeah, I guess the scoreboard always gets you. And also the other thing is that I mean, when you take a decent mark and you hit the ground hard or, you, you know, you just made four or five efforts, there's a bit of ping goes out of you, you know. You, you, know, you can see blokes now just trying every now and again to suck them in because they're, you know, slightly sore or whatever, and, and that just does affect it. But don't forget a lot of that sometimes, particularly, you know, perhaps I was on the ground a bit, you're actually having snaps. You can't, <clears throat> unless you do it now, they can do it now, but in the old days it was really just a point. didn't matter if it was a set shot from what angle, or was it a snap? So today you can actually get much more feedback on what you're doing, and you should practice it. And I don't know, you know, if you've missed now, I'd go and spend another hour on where I miss from, because you've got time. When you practice goal kicking, get someone on the mark and get someone behind you. Get two mates and swap them around. But, you know, sometimes the high-performance people don't like you kicking the ball too much now, because you might kick one too many kicks for the game. Wow, what are they at that? 
That used to frustrate me watching that. <laughs> Malcolm Blight on Waitley this morning. We've got a breakaway, come back, get your pen and paper ready because Craig Staples is about to ride his first horse today at York just before midday, so we'll get him on. But I can tell you that he does like the horse he's riding in the first race. We'll get a breakaway, we'll come back straight away. We'll be chatting with Craig Staples and, of course, always gamble responsibly. This is Thursday's edition of Sporting Goss. A big part of Sporting Goss is our look at local racing and we chat with trainers and jockeys and if you've been following us in recent times and in following Gostradamus, you'd be all cashed up because our jockeys and trainers have been in very good form and let's hope that continues today with Craig Staples who joins us on the road to York for a nine race program. He's got three rides but he'll be on the road after race four. Let's check with the Bullet Staples right now. Craig, appreciate your time. Morning, Goss. What does York bring to you, mate? What's the York track like? A lot of people know it's a little picturesque track there with Mount Bakewell in the background. Uh, has it changed a lot over the journey? Um, for sure, yeah. They, it used to be uh, a really downhill track and um, they had some issues with safety and um, horses slipping and they, they did a lot of work to it and now it's a really safe track um, that uh, the jockeys enjoy going to. Horses that race around York, this seems to me as one of those tracks that horses that have been around the track and have handled the track are normally the ones that punters should follow. Oh, absolutely. It's definitely horses for courses, and York is a specialty course. Um, it is still quite downhill, very tight. Um, the straight is short, and you don't see many flying home. Um, so, <laughs> like you said, horses for courses, something they can corner well. Um, they get around that corner, they're normally home. Okay, so let's lay that down on the first race. There's an odds-on favourite in the race called Ashinka View, which has got good form around Pinjara and a, some nice runs at Ascot. But you're on a horse called Andrietti uh, for Paul Jordan. Drawn Barrier 1 has had three starts at the track and has been placed twice. This looks like all the ducks are lined up nicely for a bold showing today. Yeah, look, the horse, um, we changed some gear on it last start and we, we've um, put a tongue tie on it last start and it just didn't react too well to it and um, we've um, done a gear change um, to take that off and hopefully we go back to the form uh, first up where it run a really good second. And like you said, Barrier 1 at York is really nice. Um, I think uh, it'll it'll help it a lot. Hopefully it can show some speed and it, it should be hard to beat. I know Alan's horse... Kennedy, that is. It does look like it's got good form, but let's hope it doesn't handle the track, and mine does. Another one you're on, of course, is a, a very well-travelled galloper. Of always the Brian Rogers camp travel well. I know a lot of their horses are currently up uh, up north for the northwest season, but tactical ploy is down here. You haven't drawn a good alley at all, uh, and uh, fair to say this horse is stepping around at the track for the very first time. Does it give you a feel that York might be a suitable course for it? Look, I'm not sure yet. Um, I wrote it up. I wrote it first up or second up here, and I sat it back. I didn't like it. And then next start, I elected to go forward and run a much better race. And then in town the other day, a apprentice claimed off it when I was suspended, and I ran a fantastic race. It uh, went early. It, it did a lot of work early, and then he attacked on it from the half mile. Um, and the horse only just got tired the last bit. So I think I'll probably ride a positive again. And um, how it handles the track, I don't know. You just don't know until they get there. But um, I think it'll it'll be there if I can show some speed. 
Ah, uh, yes. This is the horse that I think, yeah, as you mentioned, it was absolutely just got very, very tired late. I think this is the horse that uh, young Jet Stanley got time on, didn't he? Was it got a bit wobbly? Didn't keep it straight um, late. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. That's correct. He um he just got a little bit tired going to the line and he moved in on Ryan Hill and I think he actually lost the protest in that race. Yes. Uh, fourth, uh, versus, uh, fifth versus fourth, I think. Absolutely. So uh, going to be hard to beat on that run, but as you say, it could be a simple factor of getting around the York circuit, but we'll keep an eye on that one. Tactical ploy in race three. And your last ride for the day, and they're very much each way opportunities today for you, is a horse that has been around for a long, long time, Reaction. Uh, a horse that Jason Whiting has been riding for a lot of the time, but you did ride it uh, a couple of starts ago at Narragin. Yeah, and I, I find Narragin very similar to York. Uh, I find, you know, it's a it's a small, tight track, and I think uh, often horses that do well at Narragin do well at York. Um, the trainer's um, Des, is, he's quite funny. He says the horse has got a nickname. I forget the nickname, but it's... it's doesn't try that hard, but <laughs> I got a lot out of it last start. So um, he's hoping that um, I can do the same and try and get a, obviously get that one one better place and get up to a win today. Yeah, he's uh, he's had sixty starts reaction. He's only a six year old. Feel like he's been around. Feels like he does a fair bit of racing. I think. I think this has been a pretty long campaign. Sixty starts for for two wins, twenty one placings. But having a look at his form at York, he's had ten starts of the track for seven placings. Yeah, so he's a professional place getter, but hopefully I can do one better today. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it for you. You head home. I am very lucky. Um, actually, you know, my form's pretty good at York. Uh, I was hoping for some more rides for a stay back from suspension, but uh, three will do me, and um, hopefully I can get some success with just a, couple, a few rides i got. And where do you go? Uh, anywhere on the weekend? No, very quiet for me. Um, yeah, I, I think I've been forgotten about a little bit. I've <laughs> been suspended for a couple of weeks, and... Yeah, I might as well keep being suspended because I'm not going anywhere. I'm, you know, as uh, in my role, I do more talking than I do riding these days, Tim. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. You're an outstanding jockey, and as uh, as you mentioned, you have been in some pretty good form. But suspension does do that to jockeys in Perth, doesn't it? I've, I've spoken to a couple of jockeys. They just said, look, even Mitchell Pateman, he said, you know, all of a sudden you're not on the scene for a, a couple of weeks, and it really does take the wind out of your sail, especially if you're in riding in good form. For sure, and there's so many good apprentices and riders uh, in Perth at the moment. It, you know, it, and if you get replaced for a week, that sometimes that's it. That that horse is gone, and that, unfortunately, that's the way that the way it works these days. Is um, you know, you don't ride a lot of work. There's not a lot of loyalty to keep you on. If someone else does well on it, and especially uh, a young apprentice who can claim and ride well, well, they'll stay on it. Well, I reckon you might have a pretty good day today. If you were to tell our punters who are listening to Sporting Goss right now and following on Gostradamus on the Twitter, which is the one, I think they're all each-way chances, which of the one have you, are you driving to York right now with feeling reasonably confident? I say they're all each-way, but the one that's got the form on the track would be the one in the first. Um, for Paul Jordan, you know, it's been around there. Strong Barrier 1. A lot of things, that ticks a lot of boxes for me. Could set up a whole good day for you, mate. Appreciate your time. You're always available to chat with myself uh, and uh, you're a wonderful spokesman for the industry here in WA and also in your role as president of the Jockeys Association. Thanks for joining us. Travel safe, ride safe, and we'll uh, hopefully knock up a couple of winners up there today. Great. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Tim. Good on you, mate. Craig Staples, one of the nice guys of our industry. This is Sporting Goss.
And just to give you an idea, that horse that he's riding in the first race, which goes in seven minutes, is number seven, Andretti. And it is currently $8.50 on fixed odds. Magic Millions weanling sale is taking place. This is how you spend a million dollars. This is the live audio of the bidding at the Magic Millions sale and what a million dollars buys you. $1 million for lot 109, the cop by I'm Invincible from the stakes winner Ocean Jewel, the National Weanling Sale, so really young. The Gilguy Farm offered the Colt, and it goes to Kieran Ma Racing. Magic Millions National Sale is on. There it is. That's what a million dollars does for a baby. Not even a yearling. It's a weanling. It's tiny. It's growing. But they've got money, and if you've got money and they're beautifully bred, you can certainly get it back in spades. We'll get a breakaway. We'll come back. Don't forget, always gamble responsibly. And just a reminder, tomorrow on Gillian Goss, I'll tell you what's coming up, actually, after the break. Who is the star power sh- interview after 7 o'clock and our football focus as well. This is Sporting Goss. More after the break. Thanks for your company. We're almost out of time on this Thursday edition. OK, all right, so... So Gilchrist has come up with the goods, allegedly. We'll find out tomorrow from 7 o'clock. Adam Gilchrist, who will be doing his show from the other side of the country, he's part of the show from the other side of the country, uh, we will be chatting, and he'll be doing it two hours forward, so he'll get two hours extra sleep in. Cathy Freeman is our Gillian Goss Friday Focus tomorrow. It is a huge get. She does not do a lot of interviews, and Cathy Freeman will be the Friday Focus guest in tomorrow's show with Gilly, which is absolutely great news. Also, we'll be chatting, yeah, Fremantle Dockers coach in Justin Longmuir will also join us and we'll also be hearing, have we confirmed our Giants and our Sydney Swans, Chris Clifunas? Are they confirmed our stars from both teams? We're waiting, we're just checking on the text, but we will be guaranteed, we will be speaking with a star from the GWS Giants, possibly Tim Taranto, who's a Bonafide star, and also probably Josh Kennedy Senior, who of course have not Senior, but the Josh Kennedy Sydney Swans. <laughs> what should I say, Josh Kennedy Senior? Um, of course, from the Sydney Swans, who'll be uh, joining us as well over here to take on uh, the the might of the Fremantle Dockers, who will be without Andrew Brayshaw. Paul Blake on Twitter says, "Ari, your question of whinges in sport, West Australian journos." Are Western Australian journos, not West Australian foot uh, newspaper journos. Western Australian, I suppose that includes me, maybe. Not sure about that. But anyway, hey, we opened yourselves up and people just march right on in. So tomorrow on Gillian Goss between six and eight, Kathy Freeman will be our feature guest, our Friday focus. 
Also, Justin Longmuir, Tim Taranto confirmed, and it's 99.9% recurring that we will also have Josh Kennedy from the Sydney Swans. Been a huge show, been a very, very big show. I want to hear, let's have a listen to this. This is Footy Classified, Paul Ruse disagreeing with Damien Hardwick. We'll get this away quickly in regards to a number of footy issues, but this is what uh, Ruse had to say last night on Channel 9's Footy Classified. I just don't understand that philosophy. I mean, I, I mean, obviously Damien's a fantastic coach, but I'm trying to picture in my mind how he's seeing the game because we teach the players, you know, under nines, go and win the football. And what we see at the moment, Ross, is the pressure is so immediate. I'm not sure if you don't have prior opportunity, there'd be 100 free kicks a game. <laughs> the Tigers are the best pressure team in the comp. So yeah. if you're Damien, you want no prior because they're going to stick them before anyone else. Yeah, I don't know how you can get rid of the ball, Lloyd, if you yeah. don't have time to... I understand what he's talking about conceptually, but the pressure is so immediate. I can see just players standing back. And that's Which where we players don't are smart. I think what happened, I think they, they get coached. When, when you're coaching AFL team and you make a point, uh, we, we need to do whatever it is, they'll go over the top on it and, and it'll be emphasised on they'll run with it. I think what happens to the coaching department, they make a point and the, the umpires are like players being coached. They overemphasise it. So I think we'll see a natural regression back to the mean and it'll be balanced out this week. But your point's right. That's where it came in because people are starting to dwell. Yep. You want bikes going for the ball. Yeah. You want girls going for the I ball. I think just pay yes, the obvious free kicks, Ed. Done. It's, the, it's the ones, the obvious ones that are getting missed. Yep. Thanks for your company. This has been Sporting Goss. Catch you tomorrow with Gillian Goss from 6 o'clock. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.